0: And I think the issue with casual sexism is that it's so insidious, it makes you feel like it's not a big enough deal to bring up. It makes you feel like too sensitive or, mm. or dramatic to say, hey, like that's, that's not okay.
1: Hey, hot stuff. Good morning. Happy Friday or whatever day it is that you are choosing to listen to this welcome to to be honest a podcast my name is amanda today of course i sit across from the hostess with the mostest the hottest girl in this room Uh the queen of a rust colored activewear set Mm -hmm. miss
0: kara r reedy good morning good morning thank you as always thank you for the intro you're welcome it was all very very accurate yes definitely the hottest person in this apartment especially right now in this moment when we've both rolled out of bed yes literally 20 minutes ago yes (laughs) (laughs) guys it's a it was a tough morning this morning you know what some (laughs) mornings and
1: i'm sure that like people can relate to this some mornings it's just like you're so comfortable in bed i'm like i cannot possibly this doesn't happen to me often but like this morning i was like i literally don't know how i'm supposed to get out of bed right now i just had the deepest sleep i'm so comfortable and i just want to sleep forever
0: i understand because that's Mm. what i wanted to do this morning but Mm. look we're here because we're dedicated because we have so many amazing unprofessional opinions questions to answer we do so i feel like we should get into it but obviously first we need to do what we have to be honest about
1: look i have to be honest about the fact i'm finding the festive season quite overwhelming (laughs) shocker (laughs) it is deeply not okay like do you mean
0: financially do you mean you mean everything don't you
1: in every way i don't usually let the festive season overwhelm me to be honest like i'm pretty i'm usually pretty good at not getting super stressed out this time of year but i feel stressed
0: well i mean it's an overwhelming time of year because i mean we spoke about this by the way on our patreon uh last week Mm. i believe because we did a whole episode on like Christmas and all like the things that can be brought up as well as a little gift guide. So if you're interested in that and you're not already a patron, you can head over to, from the link in our bio. Mm. But I do think around Christmas time, it's interesting because everyone's a little bit, I, I don't know what it is because everyone wants to hang out mm. more than they usually would throughout the year. I don't, I don't know. What Everyone wants it? to see each other before Christmas. Yeah, I guess it's because we're all like, we're, we're thinking about like spending time with loved ones and like, this is a time of year to be with loved ones. So maybe we should catch up. And like, I guess if people are going away, it's like, I won't see you for, you know, a week or two and stuff. But there, it's funny because like, obviously I'm never going to send her to seeing my friends more and going out for dinner and stuff. Mm. It's funny, isn't it? It's so funny. I'm just like deeply
1: tired. And <laughs> <laughs> look, it's getting, it's getting a bit like that. We're already halfway through December. I know, I know. That doesn't make any sense in my mind also like for everyone who who doesn't know this the biggest time of the year for youtubers is december because that's when most brands up their marketing budget and like have a lot of money to Mm. put into sponsorships so on that front uh also the busiest month of the year for me so vibes tired just want to get through it that's Mm -hmm. what i have to be honest about today we're gonna get through it what do you have to be honest about
0: well, I have to be honest about the fact that I owe you a moment of gratitude. Oh. Yes. Okay. What did I do? The other day I was mentioning to you that I feel very unsure of how to balance my, like, um, I guess a sedentary job that I, I started working from home. I went back into writing, which means I'm literally just sitting down the whole day. Mm. We don't have like a stand up desk in our apartment because simply we just don't. Mm. I can't even explain it. We just don't. But also like in my previous job, I wouldn't walk around heaps, but I would walk around far more than I would here in this current job. Yeah. And I was saying to you how I am struggling with like that, you know, what to do, like how much exercise is like good for me and like, what should I be doing? And you said I should go, I should try going for an hour walk every morning or after work, but I chose to do it in the morning. Mm-hmm. And I've been doing that with the exception of today, because we got up today to do this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've been doing that and I've been feeling great Good. when I get home. I feel like it's hard for the first couple of times to do it. Mm. And I'm obviously very lucky that I can get up and I don't have like, you know, children to look after in the morning. And I have a job that's relatively flexible and I can come home and basically have a shower and start work. Mm. But yeah, it's really, I'm really, really enjoying it. Good. So I owe you a thank you for helping me with that. You're welcome. And for, I guess, I don't know like holding me accountable in a very gentle way yeah
1: I think it's really interesting with exercise because obviously we live in a culture that is super you know we really encourage people to move their body mindfully and stuff Mm. like that but when you are working a sedentary job like I feel this too like Mm. it's like you kind of have to hold yourself accountable to moving because the human body needs to move in order to feel good like mentally and physically yeah and it can feel really like oh are we in the culture of forcing ourselves to exercise like we shouldn't be doing that but it's some like there's there is a healthy balance between like listening to your body but also being like okay but like i need to move in order to feel my best well
0: it's that fine line between yeah like you said listening to your body but also when we don't move our bodies Mm. like for example when i was waking up sitting down working for eight hours writing Mm. and then like you know not I, and sometimes go have like a short walk after work mm. and i play netball on mondays but f- for the most part for the first few weeks of my job i was not really doing much mm. like that makes you more tired usually yeah. like, was making me more tired i can speak for myself like but and then so it's kind of like oh like i should be listening to my body i'm tired so i don't go for a walk but you need to break the cycle it's hard it is hard it's very yeah. hard um but anyway that's what i have to be honest about this week shall we get into the episode we have A lot of great questions today. We do. Let's get into it. If you're
1: new to the podcast, first of all, welcome. Second of all, welcome to Unprofessional Opinions. This is an episode that we do every single month where we turn it over to you and answer any questions that you may have or topics you may want us to talk about. This is unprofessional advice. Yes. Hope you enjoy. Unprofessional.
0: (laughs) Don't come for us if you apply it to your life and things don't work out the way that it's the blind leading the blind, we've said it before. Anyway, let's get started. Let's get
1: started. Okay, our first question is, how do you deal with imposter syndrome at work that is made worse by working remotely?
0: This is a very interesting question because I didn't really, I mean, I guess like, I, I definitely felt this when I was freelancing full time because you know, you're fully accountable for your own productivity mm-hmm. and like what you do and how you do it and stuff like that. But now that I do work remotely, And I have like a very, I'm very lucky to have a very, very flexible, like healthy, trusting work team. Mm. The imposter syndrome can creep up. Like if you're having a day where it's like a bit more tired, like today, like, Mm. you know, go having a mental health day and like you're less productive or honestly, even if you are being super productive, but all of a sudden you just had this intrusive thought that's like, you're not good enough. Mm. You're not doing enough work. It can be harder because I feel like you can convince yourself that you're taking more advantage because no one is around you to look mm. at what you're doing mm-hmm. how do you do have you felt this before?
1: Yeah I've definitely felt it I feel like this comes up from the space for me of like not having as much communication as you would. Mm in a normal work setting like I always feel better when I'm working around the people that I work with right Mm. whereas when I'm removed and when I'm just communicating via text message or like an online messaging in regards to the work that I'm doing it's very easy to feel like I'm not doing a good job Mm. because you can very easily interpret what people are saying as different things and especially when like I mean I personally work quite a few jobs where no one's really holding me super accountable mm. like I'm kind of doing everything
0: in like my own time it's your time. responsibility to do what yeah you need to do. yeah
1: and so a lot of the time it can feel like oh like why is no one checking in on me is that because I'm doing the wrong thing like yeah. a lot of us as humans in general with literally everything in our life we find it so much easier to assume the worst rather than assume the best. And I think that's something that us as a society just needs to unlearn in general. Um, but I definitely think that this is very, very common because Mm -hmm. we are all so anxious, sorry, to everyone who thinks they're not anxious (laughs) but like as a society we are so anxious and so it's like of course we are going to be struggling with that lack of human interaction Mm. that lack of community around us in the workspace like you know we thrive in community
0: yeah i completely agree i think that it's in terms of, like, how to deal with it and, like, I guess how to, like, practically maybe pull yourself out from those feelings, it's very hard. I think imposter syndrome is so pervasive. Like, mm. it's so – there are so many things in, like, this current way that we work mm. that feed into imposter syndrome. I think the first thing you need to remember is that when you're working remotely, because especially if maybe you, like, work you know alone in your house, like, there's no one else around you mm. – it can feel like you need to be productive a hundred percent of the time, you need to be you know fully focused on working 100% of the time otherwise you're just absolutely taking advantage Mm. you're not good enough and stuff like that and then you think about if you're in an office you'd be having conversations Mm. you'd be going and making a coffee you'd maybe go and like you know take a walk around the block with your friend like to break up the day and stuff like that yeah like there are all these moments and like this is not me saying that you should you know just stop working every 15 minutes and like take a break (laughs) but like you know, you have to remember that when you're in an office, there is like so many opportunities to basically get distracted and mm. not work. Mm-hmm. And that's actually why a lot of people have found that working remotely is much more productive and much more beneficial as a business. Yeah. Because people do have like less distractions and more ability to, I guess, like uh, break up their day and like do it in a way that they enjoy. For me, I have really, when this comes up for me, and I feel like I deal with it better now than I ever have in my life, Mm. when it comes up for me, I remember that it's your manager's responsibility to give you the feedback that you need Mm. to do better at your job. So if you're thinking, I'm not good at my job, I'm going to be found out, I'm awful, I'm not good enough, all that stuff. If your manager's saying to you, or like, you know, anyone is saying to you, like, your work is great, or like, I'm really happy with the way you did this, Mm. or, you know, no one's actually saying to you, what's going on you're not getting things done if Mm. you're meeting like your deadlines and like you're getting things done think about those things think about all the ways that you're succeeding in your job Mm. like just try and counter those thoughts because a lot of the time imposter syndrome when we try and break it down comes from a place of feeling rather than a place of like physical practical reasons that we feel it yeah if that makes sense totally
1: yeah totally i agree and i think just like having that open communication with your employer with your fellow co-workers can really Mm. remove um, that feeling of imposter syndrome like I really from the get-go kind of set a precedent with my employers that I am open with them that I ask for feedback that I provide my opinion and that kind of thing and I understand that that's not super easy to do especially if you're in an industry that you haven't worked in before or anything like that but like you have to remind yourself like Cara said it is your employer's responsibility as your employer to provide feedback if you're not doing the right job otherwise you can assume you are doing the right job a lot of employers don't give enough positive feedback and I think that you know I mean, I don't want to say everything in the world is an issue, but, like, obviously it's nice to receive positive feedback. Not all employers are there yet. And so it's better to try and train your brain to assume the best rather than assuming the worst.
0: Yeah. And I also think there's a difference between, you know, wanting positive feedback and also needing it to be frequent to validate yourself. Like, that's where it kind of runs into an issue. And, like, you can also ask for feedback. If your employer is maybe not someone who defaults to positive, you know, affirmations Mm. like every now and then. You can ask for feedback, you know, every couple of months and say, hey, like, are you happy with my work and what I'm doing? And, like, they'll probably be like, yeah, yeah, I am. Mm. Like, and you'll be like, okay, cool. And then next time you're feeling imposter syndrome – You can say, well, they didn't bring up any issues when I asked them last time. Mm -hmm. So I must be doing a good job. Yeah. Okay. The next question is also a workplace related question. This one is how do you deal with casual sexism in the workplace? Mm.
1: Look, if there's one thing I hate in this world, it's being mansplained to about something that I know how to do better than the man. (laughs) I think it's really difficult to navigate this because it's so ingrained in a lot of people mm. and a lot of men like i'm going to try and provide some empathy to men in this situation and the fact that i don't even think that they are aware of what they're doing a lot of the time mm. because it is so so ingrained in men that they can talk to people this way and that they are right and they've been taught to be confident their entire life that i don't even feel like they can think that they're being sexist in what they're doing so i understand mm-hmm. how this is difficult Some people do know they're being sexist, just an FYI. But like, I think... Oh, absolutely. I think that there are a lot of people who also don't realize. Yeah. um, And it has been ingrained, I think, that men are taught from a young age that it's like, you know, this is the perfect metaphor for me. For some reason, whenever I'm like driving, I notice that men just stroll across the road and just like expect a car not to
0: hit them. Have you noticed this? Yes, I've noticed i'm not i'm really not trying to just shit on men right now but like it is if you notice the way that men and women typically exist in the world in general yeah whether it's in the workplace whether it's walking across the street whether it's in a shopping center yeah it's a level of taking up space and entitlement that Mm. women simply don't have
1: i think when it comes to sexism in the workplace uh the way that i personally deal with it and like this is probably not the best advice if I'm honest but like I get super mad when I'm getting mansplained too like mentioned and I really just like don't back down <laughs> which I'm learning to try and back down more but I really try and push you know like mm. push my opinion push why I believe this push this is my professional reasoning for this Honestly, like, that's the only experience I've really had with sexism. So that's the only way I can really, like, in terms of in the workplace, that's the only way I really feel like I can...
0: I mean, I think you even saying that you should probably back down more, like, you're being, like, pushy almost. I like, the way that you just explained that was, yeah. like, you thinking you're being pushy. You really... I mean, obviously, I'm privy to, like, the actual details of, like, what happens in these situations. But, like, really what you're explaining is just having a conversation in which you don't agree with a man. Yeah. Which is a very normal part of life slash work. And I think it's interesting that you slash a lot of women, including myself in the past, have felt like that is being difficult Mm. or it's being too much or it's causing an issue or like whatever. Because I think again, as women we're taught to be as easy as Mm. possible at all times and if that means laughing at a casually sexist joke or if that means taking the mansplaining and being like, oh, yeah, thanks for that, even though you knew you knew exactly what they said or you knew that they were wrong in yeah. how they explained it. Yeah. Like, we're taught just to make things easy.
1: Mm.
0: It's always, like, meant to be the woman that's accommodating, mm. especially a man. And it's like, in certain situations, you can realize how minor th- that can be in your mind. Mm. Like, always, always walking out of the way always trying to make a man more comfortable, always trying to like accommodate for other people, Mm. man or woman really. And I think the issue with casual sexism is that it's so insidious and it seems so, and it's the same with casual racism, Mm. casual discrimination of any time, any kind. Mm. It's so insidious Mm. because it's, it makes you feel like it's not a big enough deal to bring up or to counter yeah and that's the issue that's why it keeps going is because if a man is doing something or anyone because obviously like internalized misogyny exists but if anyone in the workplace is doing something sexist casually sexist it makes you feel like too sensitive or mm. or dramatic to say hey like that's that's not okay mm. i know that we haven't actually given any practical advice thus far but that's because i think it's important to re- for, to people to realize that like this is a big issue. Like casual mm. sexism isn't actually a casual. It's mm. just sexism. Mm-hmm. In terms of practical advice though, I would say basically similar to what you just said, like being professional always, I, I always try and look at this as like, you know, as much as possible, make sure you act in a way that cannot be used against you rationally. Does that mm. make sense? Mm-hmm. So like if someone is casually sexist towards you, like I think it's so normal to be angry and mad and like, upset mm. and you know maybe you will want to be like you're a fucking idiot mm. but don't do that in the workplace because that way you can be the they can be like well you just said that that's way worse than what i did mm-hmm. try and be professional but call them out say like so i have noticed that you've been explaining things to me that's actually within my field Um, and I just want to let you know that I I find that a bit undermining Mm. or you can say if it's if it's more blatant than that if someone's making like a sexual joke towards you and you feel like it's because it's of your gender Mm. you can say that's really inappropriate it makes me uncomfortable and I don't think you would say that about a man Mm. like this is just having a conversation as a human Mm. and I know it's uncomfortable but you're allowed to say it in the workplace and I understand that it's more difficult than that because workplace dynamics are so hard and like positions of power exist and that's another fucking level of issue that happens Mm. with sexism is like if it's if it's your boss or your manager or the owner of a business that's doing this like how you meant to navigate it Mm. but i think as much as possible calling it out is in a professional way Mm. is important to set that standard for what you will and won't tolerate Mm. in the workplace Mm -hmm and again you you can't fix casual sexism unfortunately it's it's a systemic issue yeah but i do think standing up for ourselves is important
1: yeah okay so i have an anxious attachment style and my partner is avoidant do you have any tips on how to navigate this
0: this look i do feel like this is super 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 common Mm, i know most and look i do think it's also probably more of a gendered um dynamic as well like, I think a lot of women are typically anxiously attached and a lot of men are typically avoidantly attached. Mm. And that's just, again, the way that we we raise men and women in society. Mm-hmm. A lot of my friends have this exact dynamic in their relationship. Mm. And it causes issues, but it doesn't mean it can't work. No. I think one of the first things to do is understand your own attachment style and understand
1: your partners yeah. and get your partner to do, do that as well. Like, understand where the space that both of you are coming from with that attachment yeah. style and why you are the way that you are because I feel like that is one of the greatest ways to truly understand someone yeah is like actually recognizing that like what you need in a relationship is not what someone else needs in a relationship and that's okay and when you're someone who's anxious It can be easy to like, if you have an avoidant partner and they don't want to hang out with you, it can be easy to fucking spiral and be so anxious Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. But if you understand the space that they're coming from and why they feel that way, that can really, I mean, we, we talk about, and we've watched this thing with our friends. uh, It was like a school of life speech. And it was talking about uh, the generosity of interpretation Mm -hmm. of like a lot of the time um, when it comes to the way that we assume things about our partners or our friends and things we often again assume the worst assume the negative rather than assuming the positive positive. Yeah. and this is something that's really helped me as an adult is like I used to be so emotional about and I still am emotional just as FYI <laughs> but like I used to be way more emotional where like I had to talk about every single thing that happened mm-hmm. in any relationship that I had and I was so just like consumed by it in a way and couldn't understand where anyone else was coming from and since learning this idea of like applying generosity Mm. to what your partner or your friend is doing and applying generosity that they care about me and this is not a negative thing for me they're not trying to make me feel bad they're just doing what they need to do right now Or they're doing something they feel like is going to better our relationship or that kind of thing. Even if that isn't fully in alignment, applying that generosity and being like, you know, they really uh, care about me and they're not going to do anything intentionally to hurt me. Mm. So why don't I just accept it? try to accept it at least, and then talk about it in a rational way. Yes, and I think
0: that's the important part. It doesn't mean, like, saying, like, oh, they didn't mean it in a bad way and then moving on and never telling them that it hurt you or that it wasn't exactly what you needed in the moment. It's about saying, like, I'm sure they didn't mean it that way. Mm-hmm. So I'm instead of getting really upset or angry or shutting off or – you know crying in my room alone because i don't want to talk to them Mm. it's about having a you know conversation assuming that they mean they meant the best and having an open conversation about what they meant how it made you feel and maybe Mm. how it can be better in the future yeah i think with any attachment style the issue comes with the fact that when you're in your attachment style, you can see maybe more benefits to it than the other attachment style. Mm. So an anxiously attached person will say, well, my avoidant partner, like, yeah, like I'm anxious, but like, I'm, I want to communicate and I want to tell them how much I love them and I mm. want to make everything right. And like, that can be framed as a positive, like I want to communicate, but there is such a thing as over communication. Mm. And then an avoidant person, and I'm the resident avoidant person here is, you know, saying like, well, I just, you know, I'm, I'm easy going, like, I don't want to rock the boat. I want to make people feel bad about themselves. I want things to be easy. And just mm. like, I want to just not have to focus on this negative stuff, but then that's avoidant. Like yeah. that's not working through problems. And I think without that self-awareness, like you mentioned, like being aware of your attachment style and being aware of your partner's attachment style and how that manifests in both of your actions Mm. without that self-awareness you're never going to be able to make it work because you need to understand that there are like you're going to think that there are benefits no one's going to exist in a way in an attachment style Mm. hating every second of it and never seeing a benefit the point is that our brains have have told us a benefit to it yeah and that's why we continue doing it Mm -hmm. it's a pattern it's a it's a habit that we have that mm-hmm. we see value in whether or not it's obvious to us yeah so i think understanding each other talking about it and understanding the art of compromise and knowing like sometimes you're going to be uncomfortable because mm. maybe your partner doesn't want to talk about something in the moment they need a bit more time to go away and think about their thoughts because they're avoidant but they're going to come back and they're going to meet you in your like halfway mm. and then talk about it in the future It's going to be uncomfortable for both of you for a while, but I think that discomfort is important to work through the individual attachment styles that you have and create a dynamic that actually benefits you both Mm. because going one way or the other is not going to make a healthy relationship. It's just going to make the other person resentful and one person sit more heavily in their attachment style. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this next one's a bit of a long one. This person said i've been absolutely loving 2022 as my year to be single however all of my friends have serious partners and i feel pretty excluded from the group at times because of this i try not to get upset when they bring their partners to ladies nights and then she wrote in parentheses <laughs> "Ugh." <laughs> <laughs> or i play it cool when i'm the only single girl in the group When I have told them how I feel, their response is always trying to set me up. And then again, in parentheses, she said again, ugh, (laughs) Um, I don't want to be set up. I have been loving single girl life. How do I tell them how I'm feeling or do I need to just find more single girlfriends? This is a complicated one and I definitely understand understand, um, where this person's coming from. Again, as the resident single girl in our group and you know how it can be hard to have all your close friends in a relationship and you know like to have to navigate that dynamic of like of course like you know hopefully at least you love your friends partners and like mm. of course it's valid for them to want to bring them to events and stuff like that but it's also valid for you to not always want to be around partners as well yeah, yeah. it's a bit of a again it's like a, the art of compromise kind of thing yeah and i do think that the answer to this one sits in the middle It sits in the middle of telling your friends, sometimes I do just want a girl's night. Like, can we please like find a way that like I get that one-on-one time with you guys or that quality Mm -hmm. time with you guys and maybe setting that boundary of I actually do not want to be set up right now. Like it makes me feel a bit uncomfortable when you default to setting me up. Yeah. But also maybe you do need to find a few single friends you need to maybe expand mm. your horizons because you know it's important to recognize that it's valid for your friends who are in relationships to want to prioritize you know that group time that mm. includes their partners mm. um so i do think it exists in the middle ground there what do you think
1: yeah i totally agree with you basically i think the first thing that needs to happen is like you need to talk to them about it because mm. it seems like it's a reoccurring issue and yeah. even though it may not feel like a major like you know you're not fighting with them or you're not getting super angry and stuff like that I feel like over time it can create resentment and like I think like you don't want to feel that way towards your friends and Mm -hmm. you know obviously people love being around their partners it is important they have time with their friends as well without their partners and I think that um yeah I just think it's a really good idea to communicate that Mm -hmm. to your friends your friends hopefully will hold the space for you with that and also explaining a lot of people assume when people are single that they're looking for a partner yes Um, that's like a societal issue like a default thing uh so they're obviously doing it from a space of love but even just explaining like i really don't want to be set up right now like i'm just enjoying being by myself if i meet someone I meet someone, yeah. but it is not a priority and I don't want to make it a priority. Yeah. It's
0: not a problem to be fixed. It's just something you're enjoying. at the Yeah, moment. yeah.
1: totally. Uh, but at the same time, I do think there is a space for having friends that are single and in that same stage of your life, which makes it a lot easier to navigate these types of things. Mm. Like I had like three years where I was like properly single, like not really dating anyone and I really enjoyed in that time having friends who were in the same space obviously I love my friends who are in relationships as well but it was really great to be able to share those experiences with people like be around people who had like very similar priorities to me and that was really beautiful and I think Mm -hmm. that there is space for um for you to create change with you know perhaps finding friends and and doing things without your friends that are in relationships and seeing who that attracts into your life but as well as that i think do think that your friends need to step up and um try and understand where you're coming from as well completely agree okay our next question is what does your ideal morning look
0: like this is a wholesome
1: question this is wholesome
0: i would say my ideal morning would be like a not like a hot summer's morning but like warm but with like a pretty like light breeze mm-hmm. and then i'd go for a walk mm-hmm. and i'd get an acai bowl at the like midpoint of my walk because mm-hmm. i do that sometimes and i'd read while i eat my acai and have a coffee and then i would walk home and while i'm walking my ideal morning would include a really good episode of a podcast that i love mm-hmm. and that like really like i'm just like really invested in walk home and then maybe play a game of Catan with you and have a yummy breakfast <laughs> that's wholesome <laughs> what's your ideal morning I think
1: my ideal morning is waking up early but to no alarm mm. and then yeah walking to like the beach kind of way and having like a nice morning walk mm-hmm. and then going for a swim in the ocean which I realized by saying this like I don't do this anymore and the reason I don't is because I always feel like I'm in a rush to get mm. home yeah. and lately I've been really trying to Not think about the next thing I have to do while I'm doing the certain thing. That's like a whole tangent, but that's what I'm working on. So the idea of not feeling in a rush, going for a swim, sitting in the sun after my swim, Mm -hmm. coming home, making myself an iced cacao, and then probably having a bagel breakfast and having a slow start Mm. to the day, basically. Lovely. That's probably it yeah it really is nice to have those moments where you're like wow it really is all simple things that make me feel yeah.
0: happy like yeah nothing too beautiful. nothing too crazy it's all doable yeah okay so our next question is how do you look after yourself during a depressive episode or on down days mm-hmm. this is a really important question we've mentioned it a few times like we've talked about it loosely a few times before and we have spoken about mental health and maybe you know being kind to yourself when you are having down periods i personally really try and practice recognizing that i'm having first of all recognizing i'm having a depressive episode or a down day Mm. recognizing how that manifests and that means being aware of how it manifests and like the signs that it is because i think a lot of the time it can be easy for us to glide through it without really recognizing that that's what's happening and therefore you don't really have the chance to recognize what you need from it so Mm. you know if I recognize I'm having a depressive episode I might say like you know I I don't want to cook I don't feel like cooking or I don't feel like leaving the house or you know I just want to sleep all day and stuff like that and I'm a big believer that like you shouldn't be telling yourself you can't do certain things during depressive episodes Mm. or down periods I mean obviously like that's within reason like don't maybe don't do like really, really harmful things to yourself if Mm. you can help it. But you know, like for example, like some depressive episodes, I want to nap all the time. And I tell myself, like, that doesn't mean that I can't nap at all. Sometimes my body does need rest. Sometimes Mm. I do need to have a bit more sleep, especially if I'm not sleeping at night because of it. Mm. But like instead of napping like all day, I'll maybe have an hour nap. Mm -hmm. And then also, you know, when it comes to eating, like it can be really hard to cook. So even if it means spending the money going out and getting something that's quite nutritious and that i really enjoy Mm. if i can afford that and then not feeling guilty about it like saying this is an expense to do with my mental health like this is important this is something i should spend money on Mm. or if you don't have the money just trying your best to eat in general throughout the day because i Mm. think if eating something you struggle with whether it's nutritious or not when you're in a depressive episode it's important to keep to keep the you know the the nourishment coming in yeah otherwise your brain's just going to be lagging even more Mm. and i think in general having that understanding that you should at least voice it to someone Mm. whether it's a friend or it's your parent or it's a sibling or if it's just journaling it Mm. like just saying like hey i'm having a down day and even if you don't feel like talking about it in like at length just saying that to someone and saying i'm having a hard time at the moment Mm. that way they can check in they can keep their eye on you you know that someone is there for you if needed and then just be kind to yourself for the rest of the time like ask yourself what you need and give yourself it without any guilt or hang-ups yeah what about you
1: um I really think something that I really try and do is like lessen my screen time Mm -hmm. um because I just feel like for me like when I'm not feeling mentally well it's very easy for me to just like go into a scroll hole and not be able to get out basically Mm -hmm. as well as that i try and get out and like go for a walk or something like that or even if like what needs to motivate me to do that is to like organize a phone call with a friend so that i like go out walk and talk on the phone mm-hmm. and often i feel like those are the things that i really try and try and do because otherwise i'll just like sit at home in a scroll hole um <laughs> <laughs> when i'm not feeling mentally well and then that makes me feel mentally worse
0: so yeah that's pretty much it i, I think, think getting out of the house and getting off social media is definitely a good yeah a good tip
1: okay our next question a little bit of a long one again this person has said I quit my job in October and have been enjoying some time off, but I need to go back to work. I'm thinking of working at a brewery, but I am nervous because I'm kind of an introvert. Do you have any tips on working hospitality jobs as a more introverted person? I do like interacting with new people, but I'm worried I'm going to get socially drained fast. Any advice on how to
0: maintain my energy so I don't burn myself out would be helpful. I feel like this is a question for you. Yeah. Because you've worked in hospital. I personally have never worked in hospital, but I am an introvert. And I think that I would struggle massively with this if I was to work in hospitality. Because I've struggled with this not working in hospitality, just working in like semi social, mm. customer facing roles. Because I'm like, oh my God, the social battery is drained at the end of the day. So I think that you think that. And
1: I I understand why people would feel like hospitality is like, and hospitality is a social job. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not going to lie. I personally think I'm an introverted person, but I, uh, I seem extroverted. Like a lot of people assume I'm extroverted, but I really Mm -hmm. crave alone time. I really, um, feel socially anxious and stuff like that. And I worked in hospitality for like eight years. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of the time in a customer facing kind of position. I think what I when it comes to hospitality there obviously are hospitality jobs where you'll be on the till the entire day you'll be mm-hmm. waiting tables the entire day and that kind of thing and I totally understand how that can feel super confronting. I've had positions like that and then I've also had positions where like I'll be working the coffee machine half the time or making food half the time and things like that. So there are other things that I can do. What I want you to remember when it comes to hospitality is like not every job is a role where you're going to have to be customer facing constantly the whole day. Mm. It's actually kind of rare for people in hospitality to not wear a hundred different hats and to do just like the one thing Mm -hmm. and even if you're a bartender and you're working like for example at a brewery and you're working um behind the bar yes there's obviously the social element of it but it's not as social as you would think that it's going to be like Mm -hmm. people are coming up they're saying hey can I get this you're like yep no worries you make it you give it to them you charge them money and that's it for like 90 percent of the customers that you serve yeah It can be really beautiful the relationships that you can develop with customers in the hospitality industry and there's been some customers that I've had in the past who will come in and I'll have a really beautiful long chat with them and things like that but that doesn't feel... Draining to me because it's such a small percentage of what happens. Mm. I think hospitality can feel like a job that is so confronting for someone who is introverted and someone who is socially anxious. Mm. Personally, working in hospitality for me was one of the best things I ever did for my social anxiety Mm. and for for putting myself in a position where I was like, I can. Handle this and I can manage this. Mm. I see a lot of like when I've worked in hospital, like working with a lot of young kids as their first job. It is such a great way for people to develop social skills and to really feel um, more confident in that as well. Um, Not saying that all introverts are socially anxious, obviously. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think that when you've never worked in hospital before, it can feel way more overwhelming than like it actually is yeah like for me now even as someone who's an introvert and I feel like has become more introverted over time if I thought about going back to hospitality I just wouldn't want to do it because it's like of the physical um, <laughs> side of things and like the the pressure that it puts on your body and how my feet was fucking killing me at the end of every single day like that's the reason I wouldn't want to do hospo not because I don't want to be around people mm. and that's after eight years mm. of working in hospo so I definitely encourage you to do so. I think the only way you're going to know if it works for you is if you try is it. if you try yeah. it, but just remind yourself that like, you don't have to be the most outgoing person on the planet mm. in order to work hospital
0: and be good at your job. You yeah. Just don't. yeah. Wow. Great advice. Thank you.
1: Thanks for that. You're
0: welcome. Okay. So our next question is what advice would you give your 25 year old self? um what are you laughing at because my first thing that comes to mind is like stop
1: dating idiots (laughs) (laughs) and stop trying to like get validation from these men that are just like so so just like don't have your best intentions and don't deserve
0: your attention and
1: (laughs) and no mainly just like are not in alignment with you and what you want like I think that you know as a single gal at that point in my life I really just wanted someone to love me and Mm. someone to you know validate me and stuff like that and I think the biggest lesson that I learned was like spending time by myself and not dating people who weren't in alignment with what I want um, really actually made me figure out who I am Mm. in a way so that's my advice for any single 25 year olds out there who feel like 25 is um 30 which it's not and 30 <laughs> is also not you know like there's no you know we don't do time pressures on this podcast but I think at 25 people like like when I turned 25 I was like what the fuck I'm 25 but like 25 to 30 hardest best years of my entire life yeah so yeah
0: yeah what about you I would say 25 it's an interesting age for me because I had a really 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 rough time when I was 25 mm. I was very I was I had this like crazy depressive episode like literally was like the worst time of my life like couldn't like could barely function at one point like it was actually quite scary think about it a lot like because i literally didn't think i was going to get through it at the time mm. so i think that's the first thing i would say is like you're going to get through it trust the process and like it's gonna as cliche as it sounds it's gonna be okay mm. um i think that period was really important for me for like I felt like I had no other choice but to reach out for help from people who I normally wouldn't because I literally was like I don't know what would have happened if Mm -hmm. I didn't but I think I struggled with a lot of shame and a lot of embarrassment and I was really tough so I think I'd tell myself like you need to reach out and it's important and there's no shame or embarrassment in it. Mm. And I also think I would just say like you don't even understand what the next few years are going to have for you. Like mm. this is a really tough time, but you have so much to look forward to because then when I was 26, I moved to the Gold Coast. Mm. And you know, I've also had a lot of tough times up here, but I've had incredible memories up here and like regardless of where my life takes me after this, I'm going to be so happy that honestly 25 led me to moving to the gold coast because Mm. it was just an amalgamation of all these things that happened to me in that year and all the like just circumstance and stuff like that that led me to say i'm just gonna make this change Mm. almost like i had nothing to lose at that point like i was already already gone through such a shit period i was like let me just move to the gold coast like what else what's the worst that could happen (laughs) a pandemic guys that's what can happen (laughs) i'm just kidding but like i would say It's going to be okay. Just like do what you need to do to get through it. Mm. What else would I say? I think in general, I just would want to tell my younger self, like at any age, just to enjoy the time. It's so easy to say this in hindsight, Mm. but just to be like, and just enjoy the time that you have Mm. because you always look back and think, wow there were great memories back then or like Mm. you know there was there was a nice time like I was living with this person or I got to travel to this place or I had this job or I had this freedom or like even individual little moments Mm. like that maybe in the moment you feel like anxious or depressed or worried about what the future holds and you don't appreciate the moments Mm. that you have so I think like again as cliche as it sounds I would just say like enjoy being 25 Mm. because 30 comes up fucking real quick let me tell you that i'm 30 in two months
1: (laughs) okay so how do i deal with not liking my birthday i feel so much pressure to celebrate
0: look you can't relate i
1: can't but I (laughs) i can relate to the pressure of like christmas which i think can kind of be in alignment sometimes yes
0: yeah i feel like i'm not i don't want to i don't want to oversimplify the answer to this question because i don't want to invalidate this person's experiences because i do think that a lot of people expect you to do something for your birthday and it kind of is looked at as a bit strange or weird if you don't want to do stuff mm. i would say keep in mind that it's your birthday mm. and therefore whatever you say goes like yeah like that really for me is the beginning and the end of it like you know maybe you get to a period in your life where you do want to celebrate quite heavily your mm. birthday. But that's not you right now and Mm. like if that's for a healthy reason like you know like obviously there are maybe a few reasons that maybe you could work on if you don't feel like you're deserving of being celebrated or Mm. maybe if you just have like anxiety around aging and stuff like that like i think there are some reasons that can be that might not be the healthiest that can be worked on for not celebrating your birthday but uh, there's also just some people who just don't want to celebrate their birthday and that's so valid Mm. and if that's you just remember that you don't what you say goes mm. like it's your day, even if you don't want it to be your day. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. I think that a lot of the time, as well, other people can feel the pressure to celebrate you because it's almost like they have this pressure on themselves to make it a yeah. really good day for you. They feel guilty if they didn't, they feel guilty yeah. if they don't. No, I think a good way to communicate that is like, I really so appreciate that you want to celebrate me and that you want to spend time with me on my birthday. That means a lot to me, mm-hmm. honestly. like. For my birthday this year, I really just want to chill and like have some time alone and stuff like that. But how about we prioritize spending some time together next month, where we can have a really nice time together and that kind of thing? And and just sort of explain that like it's not, it doesn't mean that they love you any less if they don't spend time with you on your birthday. Because some people can, it can be a thing for them. Like if they express their love with gifts or with quality time, that can be really a struggle for them. Yeah. to not um be able to spend time with you on your
0: birthday. Yeah, and I think like even if if you do just want to like have like a breakfast, but you don't want it to be like a birthday breakfast. You just like let's just have breakfast it's a great opportunity to have breakfast because people are willing to make the time for you when maybe like you know they have to work usually maybe they Mm. will start work a bit later or like they'll not do something they usually do on like a saturday morning because they want to spend time with you for your birthday Mm. you can take the opportunity to have that time with people but say i don't want it to be made a big deal of i don't want like this crazy thing to happen i just want to have a breakfast or i just want to have a dinner or a lunch like we said anything like it's your birthday yeah like you can choose mm-hmm. and i think you need to feel like empowered and confident in the fact that you're allowed to say you're allowed to ask for what you want or yeah. don't want yeah okay so this next question is a bit long but it's from one of our patrons so we obviously are going to answer it <laughs> and she seems like she's in a little bit of a pickle so i'm keen to hear your thoughts mm-hmm. here. okay so she said i'm currently crippled with fear from my work christmas party oh long story short i'm very happily married and the marriage is open The relationship has been open for years and it works for us. My one rule for myself, however, was not to get with a colleague because, well, for obvious reasons. Fast forward to Christmas 2022 and you guessed it, I broke my own goddamn rule. I'm currently feared up to the kills, which I love that. I love that. Um expression yeah currently feared up to the gills and don't know what to do i don't think anyone else knows but we both disappeared early-ish so it wouldn't take much sleuthing and i had a million missed calls the next day from work friends that i bailed on the thing is i'm not ashamed of it and i don't necessarily regret it i just don't want my personal business to be a talking point in work but i have only myself to blame any advice as to how to get over this fear for this rattled irish girl would be more than appreciated
1: Okay. So first of all, I think that you, it's not, the the blame is not on you because no. you're saying that your fear is that people are going to be talking about you at work. It, it shouldn't be an assumption that people are going to talk about other people at work. Like that is their problem.
0: That's their, that's their
1: problem. Yeah. That is not got anything to do with you you should not be blaming yourself for having consensual sex with someone that you wanted to have consensual sex with
0: within the bounds of your rules of your relationship it sounds like you said you know like you in an open relationship it works for you guys and that your rule if we're understanding this correctly your rule for yourself meaning your partner Mm. you know presumably hasn't said don't sleep with a colleague there Mm. because that'll obviously open up a different potential set of issues Mm your rule for yourself while while you know rules for ourselves and trusting ourselves is important you did have consensual sex Mm. with someone and you're allowed to have sex with a colleague Mm. i mean like you know i don't know i don't think that's something that can't happen or doesn't happen no
1: it happens it it definitely (laughs) happens yeah
0: and i do think like what ducky said like if people are gossiping like even though i understand that can have really negative Um, effects on you and your career and your Mm. life and stuff like that it really is a matter of their their issue and their flaws and their ability to really be like too concerned with someone else's sex life
1: yeah it's human nature to gossip but i Mm. think that you need to remember that this is not your fault and it is not your responsibility to like nurture them or to make them feel comfortable with what they choose to do like yeah if anyone comes at you gossiping about it which first of all um the person that you slept with might not have told anyone. Yeah. And like if people figure it out, like you don't have to talk to them about it. No. And neither does the person you had sex with because like it is it is simply not your responsibility. You do not have to feed into no. it. And if you choose not to, then your co workers
0: should respect that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think if I was in a situation, I would, you know, providing that I have that relationship with the person I slept with, I would say, hey, just letting you know, like, I had a good time. If you had a good time, I, I, I'm a bit concerned about, like, you know, word getting around the office and just like the, you know, the nature of what that would mean for me. So if you could not mention it to anyone in the office that we slept together, that would be great. Yeah that's totally within your right to say and to Mm. ask and they should respect that because just like if they ask you to do the same thing Mm. you should respect that and then again like what ducky said if anyone if you hear someone gossiping or people make jokes i know people love to make very casual jokes about stuff like that in the Mm. workplace set the boundary and say i don't really want to talk about that and i and i find that uncomfortable that you bring it up so can you please not bring it up in the future yeah and again if they don't respect that that's a matter for hr good for you <laughs> and it's also just, you know, a, a very good indication of like the respect and the culture in the workplace if you mm. try and set your boundaries and they aren't respected. Mm. Um, and then I guess like moving forward, like if you do find that this is more of an issue than you would have liked, don't beat yourself up for the fact that you did this, even mm. though it was, you know, quote unquote a rule that you originally had for yourself. Like you're allowed to change your mind. You're an adult, you're mm. a consenting adult, you're allowed to So have a rule and then change your mind and then realize, oh, actually the rule was in place for a reason. Mm. Like that's human to do that. Mm -hmm. If you feel like it's more trouble than it's worth, just, you know, remember this next time. Like, Mm. remember, like, you know, even if I wanted to, you know, sleep with someone, is it worth it to, you know, deal with the anxiety or maybe the like workplace dynamics? And even though that's a really unfair situation because technically you should be able to have any consenting relationship you want without mm. any fear of repercussions in the workplace I guess mm. you can just move forward with that knowledge of like what it would mean for you and what you feel most comfortable with yeah. with this behind you but mm. I don't think you need to beat yourself up for it at all you've done nothing wrong
1: yeah Okay. Our last question for the episode is how do you fight hustle
0: culture when you have a responsibility for others in your job? Mm. So this question, I, you can read it two ways. I think Mm. the first way that I initially read it is a responsibility for others in terms of, maybe you're a manager and you're managing Mm. other employees and you know you have or maybe like you need to have work for them and stuff like that like maybe their livelihoods depend on you
1: Mm.
0: but then I also was thinking it could be potentially that you are taking care of people or that like you have people who are relying on you for help in like you know what you do for work Mm. and so without you working overtime and hustling for you know like quote-unquote hustling yeah they might be worse off mm. um i don't know did you take that either way like
1: I, I initially read it with my um worked as a manager for managerial years, hat on <laughs> as you a manager for mm-hmm. other people so i sort of want to answer what i think
0: yeah of with course that. i think either way they can be applied
1: yeah regardless yeah so i think the main thing with hustle culture which we are fuck hustle culture <laughs> on fuck this podcast hustle culture girlies so you know and i think this is something that we're both continuing to unlearn um, is the hustle sure. culture that is ingrained in society, is ingrained in in people, that our career means so much, and that we must be working in order to be worthy, or that so, our career means more than our well being. Yes. Yeah. And so, something that I really encourage is to set an example for other people in your life. Absolutely. Regardless of who that is, like for example, I love when Kara will do things that are so not hustle culture because for me (laughs) as someone who really struggles with it it is so refreshing to see someone prioritizing their well-being over their work and I really have struggled to do that for Mm -hmm. many many years so definitely setting an example for other people is such a positive thing to do even if they're your employees or if they are they work under you uh i I think if anything
0: that's the best thing if if this person is a manager that's the best thing they can do the best managers i've had are the ones who are like go home on time Mm. you know don't overexert yourself if you're having a bad day don't worry too much like do what you can do have a sick day off have a mental health day like those are the best managers Mm. because those produce the best and most productive employees at the end of the day absolutely. it's the long term it's not the short-sighted thing that we have in so many companies which is work 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 get your work done work over time mm. and it's the short-term gain it's the long-term gain that comes from a better culture yeah. in this scenario if you're a manager like we think you might be i think that's probably the most likely scenario
1: yeah absolutely and so i really encourage like you know they they often say as well with like having employees that like your employees perform better if they are taking care of themselves mm-hmm. in their life and if they are prioritizing their well being. And so, you know, there are some top dogs at some companies that are <laughs> Wait, like say dogs again. Top dogs. <laughs> <laughs> That will want people to be, you know, working, 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 hustling, hustling, hustling. But the fact of the matter is, is that their employees are going to be so stressed out. They're not going to be performing as well. It's just not a good result for literally anyone. Yeah. Like, and I think that, um, you know, because hustle culture is so ingrained in society, it can be easy to assume that hustling, hustling, hustling does better things for business in general. It doesn't. And also we're all fucking depressed. So there's that issue. But <laughs> yeah. I really think that <laughs> Fighting the hustle culture when you have a responsibility for others. I understand like I've been a manager in the past or I have had bosses say to me, well, I want you to make sure that this person is hitting this sales target, right? Mm. And then the pressure falls on me. And yeah. I personally... <laughs> just don't do it. <laughs> I personally have just really tried to lead with kindness in a way of being like, I don't want you to like follow this strict guideline of everything that you need to do, but I want you to do the best job you can do in your own way and really feel comfortable with what you're doing, if that makes sense. Um, And in the same breath, like I don't want to be asking my employees, I'm talking in a hospital sense to have to work a 12 hour shift because we're understaffed. Like that shouldn't be the responsibility of the employee. And I think that having compassion for your employees, having awareness of the fact that everything that you do as a manager in hustle culture does stream down to the people that you're managing, taking that responsibility and be like, I can really change
0: how things are for other people right now, I think is a good thing to do. For sure. And I think like you just said, like, you know, if you're thinking about it from the perspective of, you know, you might need to feel like you need to work overtime to prepare your work for your employees to get in the next day and then do something like or you know you need to work 10 hours because otherwise if you don't your employees will come in and they will have to do an extra hour or two Mm. setting that example for yourself like ducky said like you know saying you know i can do what i can do in a day Mm. and some people have days where they're less productive than others some people have hyper productive days Mm. that's normal what's what's the wider issue here is it staffing is it the fact that something could be done in a different way that makes it easier to manage and setting that that precedent for i'm going to go home when i'm meant to go home or mm. i'm not going to overwork myself i'm not going to work in an unhealthy way that like feeds into hustle culture mm. and therefore if my employees come in the next day and they say oh like th- this person was meant to do this i'm going to have to stay an extra hour to do it now mm. they should know from you from like you know your managerial like style i guess that you don't expect them to do that Mm. like not everything look few things in businesses are truly truly like really important Mm. they can wait Mm. like most things can wait Mm. and i think yeah like like ducky said leading by example and then you know making sure that your employees know that like anything that you do that maybe doesn't get done or maybe isn't done in the way that like you would have hoped because maybe you had an off day or it wasn't possible doesn't mean that they need to feel stressed or anxious or overworked because of it
1: Mm. and i think that is a lovely way to end today's episode
0: lovely as always guys thank you so much for being here thank you for sending in your questions this is our last unprofessional opinions episode for 2022 but as always if you follow us on instagram at tbh.pod you can submit your questions when we do have our next episode coming out or if you're a patron make sure that you send it to us in a message on patreon or respond to our question in the app because we always prioritize patreon questions Mm. other than that have a beautiful week and we will be back in your ears with i think what is going to be the final episode for the year yeah next week
1: okay bye bye